Okay, my beloved nurse practitioner students, welcome back. I'm going to be covering hypertension. Why? Because let me tell you something. Hypertension, diabetes, endocrine, heart disease, the diseases and disorders that you are most likely to see in practice, regardless of the state that you're working in. Okay, these are things that are seen the most nationally speaking. That's what you're going to see most on um, your NP exam, regardless of the of the state that you're testing in. So all the big ones that I know for a fact, beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to get at least two to three questions on. I'm going to obviously I'm going to cover those first. So that's why I'm covering hypertension next. I want to give you guys a warning. You may hear some things in the background. Uh, My son's playing a soccer tournament. So. I'm at a hotel full of soccer kids and they find it very amusing to do what's called ding dong ditching. My uh, niece told me what it's called, where they knock on your door and run. So if you hear some foolishness for a second or two, um, just disregard it and catch these gems that I'm trying to drop your way. So let's talk about uh, hypertension. Now the ACC AHA classifies hypertension as a normal less than 120 over 80, elevated 120 to 129 over more than 80, stage one hypertension, 130, 139 over 80 to 89, Uh, stage two, more than 140 over more than 190. Okay. So With that being said, guys, you can presume the diagnosis of hypertension if the average of two blood pressure measurements is abnormal on two separate visits. So the patient comes in two separate times and both times you have elevated uh, readings, you can uh, presume that uh, the patient's hypertensive. Did I say it's confirmed? No, I said it will be a presumptive diagnosis. And I'm going to go um, into the diagnosis in a minute, but I wanted to talk to you about the presumptive diagnosis. Now, primary hypertension, guys, 90% of the time, we have no idea what causes it. No clue whatsoever. However, the secondary causes of hypertension, we have a very good idea what causes that. So it's a disorder or disease that the patient has that causes them to have the hypertension. That's why it's called secondary hypertension. So for example, if they have uh, endocrine issues, and I kind of touched on this on my uh, last audio lesson when I was talking about uh, hyperlipidemia, but when it comes to endocrine, guys, Patients with Cushing syndrome, remember Cushing's too much salt, too much sex, too much sugar, too much salt, that's your mineral mineral corticosteroids, too much sex, that's your androgen hormones, too much sugar, that's your your glucocorticosteroids. Patient has Cushing's, that can cause them what? To have hypertension. I want you to think about that. All of the the mineral corticoids, uh, steroids that the patient has, which is a salt, salt pulls what? Sugar, that causes them to have what? Hypertension right? Um, other disorders, like if the patient has um, hyperthyroidism, that also can cause the patient to have um, high blood pressure. Why? Hyperthyroidism, everything's increased in the body. The metabolism's increased, heart rates increase, blood pressure increase, GI tract increase. Uh, um, everything's going up, 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 including, including the blood pressure. So that makes sense. Um, other forms of, um, other causes of secondary hypertension, I should say medications. And let me tell you something. When I tell you your state boards on 
are big on medications that cause hypertension, they are big on it. I'm going to tell you in what aspect, patient teaching. So Professor D, do I have to know this? Absolutely, you do. I'm so sorry, so let's get into it. NSAIDs, decongestants, corticosteroids, cocaine, oral contraceptives, and oral contraceptives, guys, this is a whole world on its own. I'm going to cover this on one of my um, podcasts because you get a good amount of questions on oral contraceptives as well. Um, what else? Um, I said cocaine, NSAIDs, corticosteroids, oral contraceptives, decongestants. I'm missing one more. Oh, sympathomimetics. That S for sympatho stands for what? Speeding up, makes everything go up. Heart rate and what? Blood pressure. So that can cause the blood pressure to go up. What else can cause secondary hypertension? Guys, I'm spending a little bit more time on this because you do get a good amount of questions on these. You need to know it. Vascular disorders such as renal artery stenosis, renal disorders such as acute glomerulonephritis, pyelonephritis, polycystic kidney disease. And that only makes sense. Think about it, guys. The kidney's responsible for um, excreting the toxins that were in the blood, getting rid of all that fluid. If the kidney's not working properly, what's the patient doing? Holding on to fluid. What is hypertension? Hypertension is the pressure that's being pushed against the vessel. Okay, that's what hypertension is. So the more fluid that patient's holding on to, obviously, the higher their blood pressure is going to go. So make sure you know those causes of secondary hypertension. Like I said, most cases and 90% of the cases for primary, we don't even know what causes it. As I said in my last podcast, uh, boards are huge on primary prevention measures. Remember, we have primary, we have secondary, and we have tertiary. Primary prevention measures, guys, are things that you can teach the patient to do that will prevent them get from getting a disease or disorder, such as education and vaccines. Secondary prevention measure, measures are things that you can do to either diagnose a disease or disorder or to find out how bad that disease or disorder has gotten, like, you know, a mammography or a colonoscopy. Tertiary prevention measures is when the patient already has the disease or disorder, but we're trying to keep it from getting worse. And an example of that, guys, would be rehab, physical therapy, occupational therapy, etc. Your boards are huge on this, okay? Whether you're testing for... um FNPBC or FNPC, they are huge on risk factors because it's always easier to prevent a disease or disorder than to treat it. All right, so let's talk about some uh, modifiable risk factors, things that the patient can actually change. Modifiable risk factors for hypertension. This is all overboard, so you need to know. You need to know that smoking. Tell the patient not to smoke. If they started smoking, to stop, not slow down, to cease. And if they're not a smoker, you teach them not to start. Diabetes. Yes, diabetes is modifiable, guys. You start exercising, eat right, you can get that hemoglobin A1C. Most diabetic patients, it can be reversed. Having um, um, high uh, cholesterol, that is a modifiable risk factor. Being a couch potato, having an unhealthy diet. When I say unhealthy diet, I'm talking about eating foods that are high in carbs, fat, glucose, sodium. Those are risk factors that can be modified, that the patient can change. 
being a couch potato, I think I said that already, being a heavy smoker, that will increase the patient's blood pressure, being overweight, that is a modifiable risk factor. You guys have to know those modifiable risk factors. Again, smoking, diabetes, um, being a heavy drinker, um, not eating enough fruits and vegetables, Right, because patient need, patients need to eat foods high in fiber, not eating enough fruits and vegetables, eating too much foods with sodium, fats, carbs, glucose, being a couch potato, being overweight, um, having high cholesterol. All of those are modifiable risk factors for hypertension. Don't say I didn't don't say I didn't warn you. All right, let's talk about uh, risk factors that are non modifiable. For the most part, they're non modifiable. For example, male sex. Yes, people can change their sex. However, those genes are not modifiable. So being a male, that is a risk factor for hypertension, okay? What else? Pregnancy. You guys ever heard of pregnancy-induced hypertension? Okay, so and when it comes to that, guys, what's the solution? Having the baby. Um, psychosocial stress, your husband's giving you problems, your wife's giving you problems, um, you're not passing your tests in school, that can cause your blood pressure to go up. Age. This is a big biggie, guys. Age. Increased age, being older than 55 years of age for men and older than 65 years of age for women. And I want to explain this to you. I just explained what hypertension is, which is basically the pressure of the blood of the fluid that is pushing up against the vessels. So if the patient's vessels are not stretching, obviously the pressure is going to be high. If the patient has all of this cholesterol that's stuck to the inner lining of the vessel, obviously that's going to make the blood pressure high, right? I want you to think about it. What does increased age have to do with blood pressure? Well, think about it. The older a patient is, the longer that they've had to eat the pizza and the French fries and the chicken nuggets and all of those deep fried foods that are full of cholesterol. So that's the longer that they've had for that cholesterol to build up in the vessels, the longer that they've had for those vessels to no longer stretch and be hard. So absolutely, the older patient gets, the higher their risk factor for uh, hypertension is. And chronic kidney disease. I already explained that to you. Kidney's not working. Patient's holding on to fluid. The patient's holding on to fluid. That's more pressure that's pushing up against the vessel. Hence, hypertension. Most patients with hypertension are asymptomatic. That's why uh, hypertension is known as a silent killer because most patients don't even know that they're hypertensive until they have their first stroke. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about some signs and symptoms uh, to look out for. Patient complaining of a headache, blurred vision. And uh, this one that I'm about to say to you guys if I had a penny for every time I've seen this show up on the state exam to be a nurse practitioner, I'd be rich. Listen to me closely. Exam of optic fundi. When you look at that, you see AV nickling. That is a test question. Know this. That AV nickling. Nickling. There's no L. I don't know why I love putting L's in words. AV nicking. <laughs> All right. You need to be thinking hypertension. Okay, so headaches, especially when the patient wakes up in the morning, blurred vision, AV nicking. When you're doing assessment of the patient's uh, carotid artery and you hear a brewery, 
upon auscultation. Why do you think you're hearing that brewery? Guys, that's the sound of turbulent blood flow. Or you are listening to, to the kidneys, you're auscultating over the kidneys and you hear brewery. That is a sound of turbulent blood flow. Okay. I'm sorry, guys, my neighbors are loud, but if I don't keep pushing, you're not going to get this in time. All right. So let's talk about um, some differential diagnoses. Some of your differential diagnoses would be exactly what I talked to you about the causes of secondary hypertension right? What if it's a kidney disorder that's causing this hypertension? What if it's an endocrine disorder that's causing this um, hypertension? So when it comes to differential diagnosis, guys, that'll be easy. Think of those uh, secondary causes that I just covered with you. Another thing that you um, should suspect is white coat syndrome. You know, when a patient is fine and then as soon as they go to a doctor's office, they're nervous. And so what? The blood pressure goes up. And this is a famous test question. So uh, let me tell you what you do. You give the patient a blood pressure diary and you have them take their blood pressure twice a day for X amount of time and you have them write it down. And not only do you have it write, have them write it down, if it's elevated beyond the parameters given, you have them write down what they were doing before or, you know, immediately before they took their blood pressure. Okay. So if you suspect white coat syndrome, you're going to have the patient keep a diary of their blood pressure and bring it to the follow-up visit so we can find out, okay, does the patient truly have hypertension or is this just white coat syndrome because they're fine? every day of the week, except for when they have to come to their follow-up visits. Now let's talk about diagnostic um, studies that um, you may order. And before I say this, guys, remember, I talked to you about this on my last audio lesson. We always move from least invasive to most invasive. Okay. So let's talk about some diagnostic tests. Obviously your analysis. Why? We want to see if there's some protein in the urine. Is protein ever supposed to be in the urine? No. The minute we see protein in the urine, we know the kidneys are in trouble. Kidneys are in trouble. Kidneys holding on the fluid. Kidneys hold on the fluid. Guess what goes up? The blood pressure, right? So easy peasy, lemon squeezy. We're going to take, do a urinalysis. We're going to be looking at the um, electrolytes, look at the sodium level, look at the BUN, look at the creatinine, see if there's something going on with the kidneys. Maybe a patient has too much sodium and that's what's causing, obviously, the hypertension. We're going to be looking at um, hemoglobin A1C. Now, we're going to do a glucose and the hemoglobin A1C. When they're there, we want to see what their blood sugar looks like now and what it's like you know, for the past 90 days. See if uh, diabetes isn't the cause of the hypertension. Now, guys, after you've done all of those, then you may move on to the ECG. But the ECG is not going to be our first diagnostic test. Remember, we always move from what? Least invasive to most invasive. We start small and move up, okay? Prevention measures, you're going to tell the patient to keep a healthy weight and BMI, stop smoking, exercise, drink in moderation. I didn't say stop drinking, like I said, stop smoking. They can drink, but in moderation, not excessively. They can have about less than one ounce a day, right? Manage the stress. So, you know, if that stank husband is what's causing you to have the high blood pressure, divorce him. No, (laughs) go see counseling, but you need to find ways to manage your stress. You're going to teach that to the patient. And of course, you're going to teach a patient to be compliant with the medications that have been ordered because patients who um, are hypertensive, who are on meds, 
they generally speaking, guys, there are always outliers. So don't be coming for me, please. Just generally speaking, they are known to be non-compliant. And so what happens is when you um, discover patients hypertensive and we're always going to try the least um, invasive measures first. So it's going to be diet, exercise, X, Y, Z. If that doesn't work, then we're going to move on to meds. We put the patient on meds, but the patients who are hypertensive are known to not be too compliant at first. They tend to be resistant. They tend to, you know, take their meds here or there if they take it at all. So you have to be patient with your patients. Okay. So, uh, preventatively, you're going to teach them to lose weight, stop smoking, exercise, uh, slow down on the drinking. They need to be drinking less than an ounce a day, not excessively, you know, decrease the stress, learn how to manage their stress and to stick to their medication regimen. What do I mean by that? If that patient's diabetic and they're supposed to be taking insulin, they need to be taking their insulin, right? All right. Let's talk about, uh, more, uh, ways that, um, this hypertension can be managed without meds because I'm going to get into the meds. But like I said, guys, we always try non-pharmacologic measures first. So if the patient has hypertension stage one, remember our stage one guys is 130, um, 130 to, uh, 139 over 80 to 89. That's stage one. If the patient is stage one, they have no history of heart disease. The first thing you're going to try to get them to do is change their lifestyle. We're going to try to keep them off of meds, right? But if they're stage two, remember stage two, guys, the systolic is uh, more than 140. The diastolic's more than 90. So it's more than 140 over 90. That's your stage two. If that patient's stage two, we're going to teach them to change their lifestyle, but we're also going to have to put them on a med, at least one med. Okay. And before I even get into the meds, when it comes to meds, this is a famous test question, so you have to know this as well. Generally speaking, when it comes to hypertension and medications, if the patient is African-American, um, you see more, favor- more favorable results putting them on not one, but two blood pressure medications. And we'll get into that when I talk about the meds. But that is a test question, so I want to make sure that you knew that. You're going to teach a patient about the DASH diet, a healthy eating plan. We want them eating lots of fiber, fruits, vegetables, whole grains. Why? I talked about this in my last uh, podcast because fiber, well, maybe I will talk about this on YouTube. I don't remember. But fiber, I like to call fiber go with me, not go with me. I like to call fiber come with me because everywhere fiber goes, fiber says come with me. As fiber is going through your GI tract, it says come with me, come with me, come with me, come with me. All of that nasty crap, the fat, the lipids, they're sticking everywhere. As fiber is going through your GI tract, it pulls it with it so that when the patient has a bowel movement, it all comes out. Okay, so it helps to decrease the cholesterol, which will in turn help to decrease what? The patient's blood pressure. You're going to teach the patient that they need to be exercising at least three times a week. 90 to 150 minutes of aerobic exercise. Okay, we're going to teach them to decrease their alcohol. Stop smoking. I didn't say decrease smoking. I said stop smoking. I don't remember if I mentioned this or not. We're going to teach them about the DASH diet. But if the patient is pregnant, they are not going to restrict their salt intake during pregnancy. We're going to watch them more closely. We're not going to teach them to decrease the salt intake. But if the patient's not pregnant, yes, they're going by the DASH. 
teach a patient how to uh, measure their blood pressure at home. Tell them to make sure that the blood pressure cuff fits correctly because if it's too tight, oh, by the way, this is a test question on your boards as well. If it's too tight, you're going to get an abnormal reading. What's the abnormal reading going to be? Too high. And if the blood pressure cuff is too large, too loose, your abnormal reading is going to be too low. Let me repeat that, guys, because that's another test question. The blood pressure cuff, if it's too tight, the abnormal is reading is going to be too high. And if it's too loose, the abnormal reading is going to be too low. Don't say I didn't warn you. What else are you going to teach them? To make sure that the, um, the machine is working properly. You're going to teach them to take two readings one minute apart each morning before they take their medication and then in the evening before they have dinner. Okay, guys, and I'm already out of time on my next podcast. I'm going to cover the medications for hypertension. You get lots of questions on these medications, so this is not something I want to rush on. I want to uh, make sure I take my time, and I definitely um, do not have time on this podcast to cover it all. So make sure you listen out for the meds that I'm going to cover for um, hypertension pull out a pen and paper and take notes because I will let you know which ones have been seen on tests on your boards over and over and over again. They're going to ask in a different type of way, but guess what? The concept is the same regardless. If you haven't done so already, guys, please be sure to follow me on TikTok. Um, it's under Nexus Nursing. Uh, my videos on YouTube, Nexus Nursing. Now, I know you guys are NP students, so um, you're already nurses. However, uh, you can always refresh your memory because a lot of the things, honestly, guys, that you're going to be uh, tested on, you already learned in nursing school. We're just taking it a step further. So it always helps for you to uh, just refresh your mind. And also, guys, I would love it if you could please help me grow by sharing my content because, as I said before, I'm doing all of this on my own, on my free time. I'd love to be able to do something. What I'm doing right now, I'd love to be able to do it for you guys full time, but I need your support. So if you can please share my content, I'm on um, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. I have this podcast and check out, I have audio lessons. If you guys have any friends that are in a nursing program that are really struggling, please have them check out uh, www.nexusnursinginstitute.com. I have audio lessons on there that I go over these diseases, these disorders, just step by step. Okay. I plan actually, I want to make one for you NP students to help you kind of like what I'm doing on the podcast, but actually practice questions. So you can have an idea of what those test questions look like and how to answer it. But like I said, guys, you know, I'm doing this on my spare time. I'm trying to make it full time. So I'm asking for your support, please. If you have any questions, email me at nexusnursingpodcast at gmail.com, nexusnursingpodcast at gmail.com, and I will try my best to uh, answer your question on my next podcast. Thank you so much for spending this time listening to me, and you're here for me on my next podcast.